happy Black History Month, y'all. We are here, episode six, season two. Man, Black is beautiful. How y'all doing? Black is beautiful. Way to start the episode. This Black and Bold, okay? Black and Bold. We're Black. We're proud. We're here. Get used to it. I love it. (laughs) And that's all, folks. (laughs) That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Um, happy February. Um, but no, we are here ready to uh, have a I'm really excited for this episode. We have been talking about it for a couple of weeks and just individually been inspired by many different things and bringing you something new that we haven't talked to y'all about um, ever in the history of Starter 5. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about maybe why and just some reasonings. But we're here to talk about black, like just black people, Black History Month, the things that we that we go through, the things that um, we celebrate, but also the things that um, you know is really important to talk about and to and to keep a topic of discussion. So, before we get into it, just want to let y'all know, whoever is listening, just know you are getting the real today. Okay, like everything that we talk about is our lived experience. Um, we're keeping it real. These are we're gonna you know dive into some statistics, but also share personal stories and. We all see the world through a different lens and we just ask that you respect it and that you listen to it and that you're open-minded and that you absorb it um, and that you can use it for your own good, you know, wherever you are. So say that. That's right. I know that's I know that's right. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Big bad. <Sorry>. Oh Lord. <laughs> I'm like almost well. <laughs> Um, but okay, so I will kick us off with just the inspiration to the things that we'll talk about. So on Martin Luther King Day, um, I went out with a coworker or a friend of mine, um, and to the Indianapolis community, we went to this Indiana history museum and they had a organization called Gang Gang show and documentary to community members. And this documentary was called The Two Pandemic pandemics by Jawan Nelson and it basically highlighted the the two pandemics that the black community faces um, in 2020 starting well not starting in 2020 but heightened in 2020 and it talked about the COVID-19 impact on the black community and the impact of racial injustice and the heightened emotion around racism in our country and I just thought it was really cool because um, cool in the sense of after the this 10-minute documentary was shown there was a community discussion about the things within the documentary and just the fact of how many different viewpoints and trigger points and perspectives came out of that conversation. I'm like, mm, I need to get my sisters on the, on an episode to talk about this because there's just so many things that you don't even realize from people's background. Like this guy sitting next to me, I thought he's a regular guy. It turns out he'd worked in the Indianapolis fire department for 30 years, black man, mm-hmm. like, He's seen a bunch of shit. You know what I mean? Like, right. Um, so I'm like, wow, like even amongst our own small communities, how important is it to talk about the things that we're seeing right in front of our face, COVID-19 and racial injustice impacting our black community. So that's the inspiration behind today. I know all of us have watched the documentary. We'll share it and everything. Um, but just wanted to talk about it. We haven't talked about it. And I know it's hard. So before we really get started, like some of this stuff might be triggering to you and, um, you know, it's deep, but it's very, very necessary to talk about and to keep on top of mind. So 
can I just say like how crazy that time was with everything happening like what was it March 2020 mm-hmm. or in mm-hmm. the summer like it was so overwhelming I have never felt so overwhelmed by this stuff in my life and I'm like very passionate about black history black experiences all that stuff but I don't know if it's because we was trapped in the house yeah. on top of it but it was a lot mm-hmm. a lot I think it was a lot of just self-awareness too of just I never even thought that I knew we had problems but I didn't think it was that that bad because you think well we're not living in the civil rights movement we're not living in Mm. slavery you know we have certain freedoms but I think that really opened my eyes to a deeper Mm. level of just systemic racism that I think we are kind of scared to talk about or say because we do have different groups of people that we interact with mm-hmm. and we do have some of these luxuries um but there's still like racism systemic racism in 2022 and that's the, the sad part and, and I it's deep yeah and it's getting mm-hmm. deeper I really feel like like I lo- there's so many laws um that are on the table that by state like it's just getting deeper girl this crt stuff i so i get a notification on my phone for like apple news or whatever for like the new things that are happening in the Mm -hmm. country right and i saw one or maybe i saw it on google like you know if you go to google on your phone you can like scroll and it has like Mm -hmm. top stories or whatever and one was like this uh representative or something in texas or some southern state was like (sighs) trying to tell parents to calm down because they thought by acknowledging and celebrating and giving time to talk about Black History Month in their schools was a form of CRT education. And I was like, so very clearly, y'all just don't want to learn about Black history because you don't want CRT, but you like, what? I was just so... Like, this is how it starts. This is why like we have continued Florida. this. <laughs> you girl, say it like it was Florida? Probably. Mm. I'm sorry, that's your home state, Sable, but girl. That's my home state, too. So, oh, yeah. You're right. So, just, can, yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> just pray for but Florida. But I feel like girl. Florida was the one that was talking about not teaching Black History Month. I heard, yeah. I feel like it was in Texas, too. Girl, I mean, Texas, probably, too. Yeah, Texas, I, was like, I feel like that's also was in Texas. Georgia everything like how how do y'all already try to ban crt and then being successful in that obviously in these states and now you don't want to talk about black history month Mm -hmm. like how are you able to pass that at a law like level like people many people see this on their table and nobody thought like hey wait a minute let's 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 backtrack and look at this yeah like i'm just confused so with all this being said, here's my curiosity. This is where I um, I get really frustrated because going back to our point, that time, March 2020, and then especially May and June 2020, when we, when we started to really, when the world was stopped mm-hmm. to our point, like people were just still in the house, had nothing to do other than to pay attention, which in mm-hmm. uh, many ways is good. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Right? Like, think about it. March, I remember March 2020, spring break, 
We went to spring break and then we did never we came back. Home. <laughs> <You> never <laughs> came we never back. came back. And like the world was just stopped. And my question now that CRT is a topic and is, is being challenged and try to get out of schools and whatever, it's like, but where are all the people in June that were texting me? Or where are all the people, where are all these people who were seeing and like could not ignore what was going on in the systematic racism and just the blatant murdering of people who look like me? Like where, where are the, where are those voices? And maybe they still have the same opinions, but the voices aren't there. And that's where I'm like, yo, like what? Okay. Like what? It was so disheartening because like I don't even want to like talk about that time but you kind of have to it was Mm -hmm. people act like it didn't affect you you had to go to work every day and pretend like nothing mattered and I remember there was one time I literally closed my work door and I started crying because I think Mm -hmm. that's when we had to like keep watching the news and everybody was just like all my black friends were talking about it black twitter was talking about it but nobody else outside of being black was like a normal day. And you're just like, yo, just because it didn't happen to me does not mean that I don't have that same trauma that's festered in my heart. Like we feel pain, even if it's not the physical pain, emotional pain hurts just as much. Mm -hmm. And I think like you were saying, Sybil, when people were not showing up, like, where were you? You, you want to act like we're so cool, so buddy-buddy, but the lack of presentness or attentiveness or the fake care, that's what got me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. didn't deal with it. Mm-hmm. I remember we had a staff call um, a few days after George Floyd and every, like, everyone was, you know, sad. Like our my boss, like, made sure everyone was there. It was like instead of a staff meeting. And me and my girl Diamond, my coworker, were the only two black girls on the team, start crying. Like, could not help it. I don't even like crying in front of people. I don't even like crying at all. But we were crying because we could not, like, control it. Like, that, mm-hmm. like Nisha said, that experience was so traumatic to, like, have to go to work. and But you're watching it on TV yeah. and everything's unfolding. But like he said, Sable... I got so many text messages and that's a whole, I'm sure we'll get there to that whole thing. Like Nisha was getting at, Mm -hmm. but now like you're quiet two years later when we're talking about CRT being Mm -hmm. banned when it's not even really being taught in K through 12, but like, how do you be so, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, Kayla. I'm so sorry. This, so sorry that. And then now you're back to the, your regular life. Mm -hmm. How does that work? I don't know. And they don't, I don't think people realize that it was not like one instance. I think yes. George Floyd was mm-hmm. the tip. We had Ahmaud Arbery, yeah. we had Breonna Taylor. Like we had stuff just back to back to back to back. And it's like, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. It's awesome. I, I'm not. Uh, how, how can I be? Right. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's also like, what I don't understand is like how there's been generations and generations of this happening to like we could probably name 20 people that's happened mm-hmm. to our generation our parents could probably name 20 our grandparents our great-grandparents so then to me it's like how are my white friends all of a sudden shocked like I think that's what did it for me like 
not only did Ahmad Arbery happen pretty close to George Floyd, but it's so many things that happen throughout our life and our parents' mm-hmm. life. And it's like, how are you shocked that police brutality still exists? Or how are you shocked by these instances when it's all I know, my parents and my family know? I don't know. Well, I think it's, I think Nisha, to your point earlier too, like, I think that it, it's all about, I think we're talking about that there's a privilege that after two years, it's not in front of your face anymore. It's not, um, it's not lived, right? It's seen on TV and it's a memory, but it's not lived for us. It's lived. We see it all the time. I mean, when, so yesterday um, we were recording this, um, you know, earlier than it actually goes out, but yesterday was Trayvon's, would have been Trayvon Martin's 27th birthday, I believe. Yes. And, um, it's so crazy because I grew up 10 minutes down the street from where that happened. And my, my nephew lived in that neighborhood. Right. So like, whenever I see something like Ahmaud Arbery or George Floyd or Breonna Taylor, like I'm triggered because it takes me back to the time when I'm in high school and I'm seeing race, you know, fights in my high school because of what happened to Trayvon Martin down the street. You know what I mean? Like that's real to me. Like, so I live it's a lived experience, um, but I think folks who don't identify with me or identify with the brutality that's going on have a privilege where they don't have to live it. And I wouldn't want to, I don't wish that upon anybody either. Like, I don't want, this is, this it's painful, Nisha, like you said, um, but it's also very frustrating. So I think uh, it, it takes me back to the documentary. Um, they interviewed a prosecutor like district district attorney or something like that and he was and this guy was like I'm he was a white male and he was like I'm so surprised that Marion County would have violent protests or something that something would happen like this in Marion County but you know George Floyd was very tragic but I'm very surprised people got violent here and I'm like what like did you just publicly say that did you just say that on like did you just say that (laughs) it's crazy because i think it is we all have a privilege in a sense to only deal with our own issues Mm -hmm. and i feel like how i felt when people how i felt about george floyd and how traumatic and all that stuff it felt i'm like what else is going around on around me that i'm not paying attention to because it doesn't affect me however this is u.s history (laughs) so i'm Mm -hmm. like it should affect everybody like how does it not affect you in a sense you know what I mean yeah you make a good point though uh Kaylin I think it also goes back to like our first season um where we talked about like the different shades of brown like we're all black you can obviously see that but we all come from different backgrounds and Sable you might remember this story but it was when we were in grad school and obviously police brutality is not something that's new to us but you know DeVos is the best way for you to get a good glimpse of America to me but there was one time where um, I forget what happened, but something something significant happened during our time in class. And I remember Bree saying something to Abdul because Abdul wasn't really concerned about like what was happening with like currently happening to like the black community here in America. And Abdul was, is a black, a black male. Yes, he's a black yeah. male. He's from Nigeria. So he's international. Mm-hmm. So just put that to context. And of course, we're wondering why like he wasn't really concerned about what was happening in America, especially to like black men, black people. 
And one thing he said that really like still to this day, like is in my head is that he was like, hey, I got my own issues going on in my own home country. Mm-hmm. And that blew me away because again, mm-hmm. we're in America. You just assume like you should be caring about the same thing that I care about. You're black, I'm black, like let's all band together. And he was like, do you know the like the wars that's going on back home? Right. You know, like people back home are like getting, like he was just listing all these things and it's really like a gut check. Cause it's like, dang, I've been so focused in my own world that like, I don't know what else is going on. So it like goes back to your point, Kayla, about like, it was just so much happening March post that I think the best word, because as I was listening to the uh, documentary, Sable, the one that word that came to mind was like tired. I remember mm-hmm. one time being on a call and everybody just asking, you know, all the people of color, like, how are they feeling? How can they best support you? Blah, blah, blah. And I really was like, y'all, I'm just tired. Mm-hmm. Like, I have no words. I have no feelings. I should. But like right now, I'm just tired. Aren't y'all tired? Because I'm tired. Mm-hmm. And even mm-hmm. in the documentary, this man, I don't, hopefully I don't butcher the word, but he said like we were in a sen- syndemic or something like yes. that. He was like, black people were getting hit from just all different angles with COVID, with police, police brutality. Like we were all being forced to sit in our house and look at a screen. And then the one thing that was being played to us was people like was getting George Floyd's video all over again. They were like, they played it time after time, after time, after over time that you just started getting desensitized to. It. And then you're also like, can you stop already? Like, we get it. We understand. Like, why don't y'all all understand this? Right. And, something that I've always thought about too is like how like how clueless are people because like we have movies that are centered around like slavery we have movies that are centered around black police brutality like we have all these things that are showing in the media and yet people are still like no nah, that don't exist right no that don't, that don't exist they'll believe that Airbud can shoot a basketball before they believe that somebody <laughs> black will get killed no oh. for real like that's serious like <laughs> The way our world works is like you'll believe other things, but you won't believe that right. black people that are getting racism. Yeah. There's, there's discrepancies between how black people are treated or how black people are paid or how black people have to show up. So it's, it's, like it's right in front of your face. No, but it's sickening. Like literally, we're talking about having to switch our hair because we want we want to assimilate and make people feel like we're doing all these things that people are like, no. <laughs> That's no, tiring. You got to sit at Very. the table. No, I, before I got my seat at the table, I got to make sure my hair is laid and that I look like y'all. My mannerisms are like y'all. Like I just, I don't understand it. So I'm like, the movies are telling y'all, media is telling y'all, the news. <laughs> the people y'all. a good part, a good point, Crystal, of just being tired. And that's mm-hmm. what I was about to say. Like, we can talk about just that transition of, how we haven't gotten a break. I think life has taught us, you know, to kind of like tough it out. Yes. Like our generation as millennials. So we, I won't say we had to endure much, but now I feel like that burden is on me heavy all the time because now I'm thinking about COVID. Now I'm thinking about how it affects the Black communities way differently. So I think, I think of COVID in a different way where it's mm-hmm. not, I don't take it as nonchalant as a lot of people mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? If I get it, maybe I'll be fine. But if my grandma, if I give it to my grandma yep. or if I give it to my younger brother, then that's going to be something that's on my heart if they have to go. Because technically, before all this FDA, 
he wouldn't be approved to get the vaccine. He's only nine. Right. And, and you, we just don't necessarily know all of the implications. Like, yes, I, I can take it and I could take one for the family and I can get vaccinated and all these things, but he's still developing. He still has a lot to, to live for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on top of having a fake, like police brutality doesn't matter. We have the rigged system of Democrat Republicans. And then on top of this, now we have to think about COVID and what's right, what's wrong. And it's affecting like the black community a lot more because when you think about it, there are jobs who are not allowing people to get mm-hmm. Ex- mm-hmm. like jobs because they're not vaccinated. Who do you right. think that affects more? Yep. Black right. people, the people that look right. like us who mm-hmm. want to get better jobs, who want to be able to sustain while there's this quote unquote economic boom where there's so many surplus of jobs, but they can't get a job if the job is mandating them to get a vaccine that they're not fully comfortable with and I don't right. think that's fair and, it, and, and it's a it's a cycle because you know like not comfortable with or have underlying issues that prevents them from prevents us from getting these or when I can remember Nisha I'm so happy you you segued us into thinking about COVID-19 and the impact it has on the black community Because if we think about March, April, May, June, 2020, essential workers were the only ones who were approved Mm -hmm. to work. Right. What did the majority of essential workers look like? And even the privilege that all of us on this call had of being able to say, yeah, I'm working from home now. Right. Whereas they they couldn't. They couldn't. We couldn't at at extremely high rates in the Black Mm -hmm. community. We don't have from a majority standpoint we don't we didn't have the privilege and we don't have the privilege to say like oh I'm working from home today you can't can't be an essential worker and work from home at it right from a majority standpoint the the nurses the people that work in the grocery store Mm -hmm. the people that are feeding you every day at these feeding you because Mm -hmm. in COVID everybody I can attest to it in COVID when we were in quarantine I ate out probably four times out of the seven times out of of a week same. That's where most of my money went to because I was like, I have to find a way to get out, but not thinking the people that actually are going there are, are probably going to catch it at an alarming rate. And mm-hmm. they didn't they they didn't have any of these practices that we have now in place. If you got sick, I'm right. pretty sure you still had to go to work. Exactly. There was no real quarantine. We definitely nope. weren't wearing masks back then. Sure, it was not. And, and even now they're still making people go. And we didn't have the education back nope. then on what COVID was like everyone, no, clue. no one knew how bad it could get mm-hmm. to an extent. And then even except people, for the other countries, <laughs> right? Yeah. And even when we did know people are still too selfish to think about mm-hmm. others. Like mm-hmm. I feel, I feel you Nisha, like, and I know we all feel each other on that. But so much of our population was so selfish and it shows you how selfish America is. And that's that's the crazy part. To not even get political, like you can't wear a mask for a couple of days, for a couple hours. I could go go along with that one, the oppressed, but it's fine. Um, Niche, something you said when we first started about just the systematic racism one thing that I think is a great segue again, um, Sable, you said it earlier, into COVID was that 
I think it also showed in like healthcare too, like how systemic racism shows up there. Mm-hmm. And as I was like, when I was reading up on just, you know, COVID-19 and just how it's been showing up in different communities, one thing I just kept thinking in my head was like, dang, like, why can't we as a community just get vaccinated? Like, I was just thinking that I was getting so mad, like, why can't we just do it? But then after watching that documentary again, there was a part where the guy was like, we don't trust the government because the government has never been good to us. And so then I started thinking like, oh my gosh, the Tuskegee um, syphilis experiment. And that's the first thing that popped in my head because I was like, they all... They all came there thinking that they were getting free medical care, but instead they were getting pumped with syphilis they were just to see the full progression of the syphilis. disease. If anybody doesn't know this experiment, please yep. look it up. But back in 1932, there went a time when syphilis was first coming around. They were just trying to figure out how to stop it. And the only way mm-hmm. they can do it was through humans. And mm-hmm. so they recruited 600 Black men to, mm-hmm. I think it was Macon County, Alabama. Yeah. And just pump them with syphilis. And the really crazy part about that, because I started reading more into that, is that they did it so strategically. I think it was 600 men, 320 of them had the actual um, disease, while the rest of them only had like the control like substance. So like the placebo. Mm. Yeah. And so in some ways, like nobody really knew where they were getting it from. And so I think now, like, you're asking all these older generations to like do this. And they're probably like, no, the last time our people has ever done anything mm-hmm. like this, we were dying. Or we were sick. We were being remember, maltreated. Crystal, when you were talking about reaching out to the guy who um, did the artistry of just black people, yes, how yes. many, how many times have we seen people that look like us in medical books or mm. in medical studies? that's you have to give I feel like sometimes you have to give you know black people some grace when we are hesitant about being in healthcare because everything that is representation of to take care of it it's done on a white body when you're looking at rashes when you're looking at diseases Mm. like the the population that they're technically testing or I don't know if it's like the control group Mm -hmm. it's not black people it's not Um, so if it's mm-hmm. saying it's a 99% effective rate, it's a 99% effective rate for people that don't look like me. So you don't mm-hmm. know what the implications are. And there is a study out there. I don't know what it is, but we can post it in our little link. Yeah. But there is a study out there that says um, the control groups are what makes it effective. And that's what the, the numbers are going to be put out there. There's mm-hmm. not enough research to say how effective it is in different people's genes based off of their ethnicity yeah is alarming because you want a group of people to feel comfortable with all these things that are just being thrown at them when you're not even doing the research with these people and the reason why we're not willing to is because when we were given opportunity you took advantage and you made us intentionally sick so how do we know you're going to give us the right proper care I, I like to add to that like I said earlier we were talking about this a little bit earlier but our experiences a lot of our experiences as black people is trauma that's passed down through the generations because our parents have felt something that their parents felt that their parents yep. felt that their parents mm-hmm. felt and I think sometimes we don't know why we feel the way we feel but it's kind of just passed down to us without yeah 
much knowledge we feel it it's trauma Mm -hmm. and when you were talking about that niche um and crystal about the tuskegee experiment i also thought about the father of modern gynecology his name Mm -hmm. was um his last name was sims james marion sims and he developed pioneering tools and surgical techniques related to the woman's reproductive health Mm -hmm. but he did this Mm -hmm. on enslaved black women without anesthesia (laughs) without ethics clearly Mm -hmm. and so a lot of historians um say that his use of enslaved black bodies as medical test subjects falls into a long ethically bereft history that includes the tuskegee syphilis experiment Mm -hmm. and henrietta Mm -hmm. lacks which henrietta lacks was a black woman who got her cells taken and they're basically cured a lot of different things that her family mm-hmm. never knew so I just say that to say like it's it's so much that's happened in each generation of our family with our distrust for like doctors and the medical field and po- politics like all this stuff is passed down to us politics police mm-hmm. the government all everything of and even I feel like growing up you feel it and you can't put words to it but you you feel the pain and you feel the distrust and then something in your own generation happens where it's like there we go again there we go Mm -hmm. again Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's what made it hard for COVID because it's like I knew about Tuskegee I didn't really know about the gynecology stuff I knew about Henrietta Lacks because I read the book on it but it's just like how can we trust it when everything is pointing and you feel it in your heart this trauma I don't know so follow me down this rabbit hole, y'all. And y'all can follow me too, Tribe, because I think I'm a deep thinker. Y'all know I think mm-hmm. too much. <laughs> Go ahead. So never too much. Well, going back to the the medical uh student that Nish just mentioned, I wish I could say his name, y'all, but I can't. And he's from Nigeria. So just know it's a, his initials are CI. Just look him up. But anyways, <laughs> like the whole purpose of him doing that drawing of like just black and brown bodies, he still got scrutinized because of that. Like there's a lot of people who don't understand why he is making those type of graphics. Like, I think somebody, I think he drew one of a woman having a baby or like the woman hold, like with a child and somebody yes. said, well, all babies don't look, don't have color when they're in the womb. Something like to that, to that description. And it was like, why, why did that even have to That'll be something that was right. mentioned? He drew something beautiful so that a black woman who has a kid can relate to this and be like, oh my gosh, maybe the doctors aren't so scary because they got people that look like mm-hmm. me. But right. no, they said, mm-mm, that's crazy. We don't even understand why you're doing it. So that's not the rabbit hole, y'all. But the rabbit hole is, so 2022, 2020, the black circles, the black squares, like show your pride, show your support, yep. of, you know, alliance, all that stuff, right? It's crazy. You Go would there. think with so many black squares that was, you know, on social media for organizations, peers, just all those things, 2022 should be the results and the outcome of all those people banding together. And mm, I don't know, this, this rubbing the mantle, I don't know, just... I don't know, sticking it to the to the man and like us yeah. being together as one union. But instead, it's not like that. Instead, they're saying, hey, we want to take Black History Month out of the curriculum. Hey, we want to take away all those this books they, and we want to take this mom. away. We want to take that away because everybody was like hungry for it. We were like digging deeper. I feel like so many Black owned businesses st- started to skyrocket. Black books that were never read before were like actually being opened and people were like really educated and dissecting um, what, it, what it is to be Black. And for some reason, I just feel like, have you ever read the book uh, Fahrenheit 451? 
Yes. So y'all need to read it. It's a really good book. It's about this dystopia. And in this dystopia, mm -hmm. they burn all the books because they hold knowledge that will get the people to riot. And anytime that a fireman or somebody found these books, they will burn it right then on the spot or you would get in trouble. And mm -hmm. for some reason, I just feel like that's what's happening now. Like wow. all those literatures and all those, those resources that were being put out there for us to learn and understand. And like, even for our allies to learn to understand are now being like taken away and stripped from the shelves because we don't want to go down that path. We don't, it's, it's getting too, too messy here, y'all. Like people are learning, people are wondering, people are questioning, like, Kayla, why did you know about that other thing? And not the Tuskegee syphilis on the right. experiment. Why right. are you so much educated about all these things? Like, I just feel like now they're just trying to, they're trying to not cancel black, like, yeah, they are. They cannot exist. Yeah, they, they're like trying to put, they're like no, trying to but but they did they are. care? And did they care at that time? Sorry, Sable. Like, did they care at the time, or were you just retweeting and reposting something that trend. you saw? It's the trend culture. It's the trend culture and the fear to not want to be canceled yourself if you don't post the black or the circle, right? And it's and and it's crazy because, um, Crystal, when you were talking about the uh, Tuskegee experiment, and then Kayla the Tuskegee experiment I learned about that through the movie Miss Evers Boys not from school oh, wow. I learned about it with um, Viola Davis she was in that movie Miss Evers Boys and I watched it because it was a black movie and like my parents would watch it and then I realized and I learned that I, that was a true story so I didn't even learn it in school I learned it from from the movie and it's mm. just crazy because I think about whenever I'm seeing the cancel for CRT and all these books are being canceled and taken out of schools. I'm thinking about the artists and the authors that put in the craft to that. I'm reading The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison right now. And I, the first time I read that book was in high school. And so- For class? For class. Wow. For class, read I read that. Class. I read that in class. And now I'm reading it as an adult and as a grown Black woman. And it's hitting different. But I would have I probably wouldn't have my eyes open to something like that if I didn't see that in high school. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm thinking about the Toni Morrison's, the Maya Angelos, um, you know, all of the authors, the black authors that the you know, the, the bell hooks and all of these black mm -hmm. authors that literally put their lived experience into something as timeless as literature. And now our country is disrespecting that mm -hmm. that freedom. Mm. you know, and in the freedom of public education and why it's public education, right? So it's just, uh, I've, I've been thinking about the artists a lot. I've been thinking about the, uh, the authors a lot and authors have been posting on social media and Twitter saying how heartbreaking they are. Like imagine your work of art is being mm. taken out of schools, like, and how disrespectful and gaslighting that is, you know what I mean? Like I, I just- But on top of that, like say, well, it's not only disrespectful, you're discrediting a whole group of people. Erasing. Yep. Erasing yes. a whole people, yep. like yep. culture in, right. in a sense. That's what's that's what's happening. You know, you're diminishing it slowly but surely. Mm -hmm. But little things, if you do it little by little, then you're left with nothing. Right. And that's what is that's what I was feeling when you were saying that. Like are they really trying to strip us of everything that we have and own yes. to the bare minimum where we can't even be proud of it? And it's like our our group, our generation, 
And I feel like the generation after us, we have this this huge sense of pride in being Black. We're not embarrassed. We're not ashamed. Mm -hmm. But it's also hard if you take away the knowledge and we become ignorant of our own culture. How do we we teach ourselves Mm the culture if you're that's taking it. it away and and that's, that's where that's, that's where it. if 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 a group of people or if a, an establishment let's just say an establishment and it's not even white black it's not even, it's a system it's an establishment yes. still has the privilege and power to do so that's the issue it's privilege and power of where we're seeing these systematic issues that were heightened because we we're on pause but now mm-hmm. that we're on go again it's just being masked by a bunch of different headlines and trending and what's not trending and yeah, but this and just the 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 ignorance, you know what I mean? It's just um it it makes me feel like we're not going forward. But I also feel like we me as a black woman right now, I feel like I have a lot more um opportunity than my grandmother had when she was oh for sure sure. sure. my mom had when she was my age but the pain and that burden and the heaviness is still there though Mm -hmm. and that's the part where I'm just kind of on a seesaw every day like man I'm so grateful I didn't have to go through what my grandmother tells me she went through however I'm still feeling this pain like I'm and I I feel the pain it's trauma it's trauma passed down and it's trauma passed down but it's also like theirs was very hard but I think ours is is equally hard. Like we right. can't dis- discredit that because it's like we actually have to live as though it's not. Yes. You no, know, it's like we have to live in a sense of like gratefulness. Mm. But because it could be, be worse of, to be grateful right, to be not given I, the same I, opportunity to be grateful that you're mm. killing black men at alarming rate when and women. I will speak for and myself women, yeah. and I hope. You know, like I want to marry a black man and I have to think, you know, five times as hard. I want to, if God allows me to have a black son, I got to think about, can I send him to public school? Do I got to, but if you send him to to private school, then they're making fun of him that way. Like it's a lot. And I think people don't understand. These are things that you have to think about. And some people don't think twice about it because it's not a part of what they have to go through, but it's still heavy. It's still, it still weighs you down. It and does. it's not as bad, like Sable was saying, as our great grandparents, our grandparents, and just looks even our parents if they're a little bit older. But the weight, I think it's a little bit more, and that could segue into like black mental health. That now it's to the point where our, our mental health is taking a toll. So then we're yeah. thinking like, I can't even process my feelings because I have so much trauma that I'm trying to unpack mm-hmm. so that I can be the best version of myself but I don't even have the tools and the, the mental capacity to try to figure out police brutality, try to figure out COVID, try to figure out how to be a black woman in Gosh. corporate America. And it's that energy, Nisha. It's that energy to, that, like, it's that to feel like right. you're trying to figure it out. Like that's the part that is, is exhausting. Like Crystal, to your point, like that's why I just feel so tired because I remember when I was younger, mi- mi- middle school, high school, I'm like, yeah, like, black power let's go protest and my grandfather just laughed like he was just on the couch and he just laughed at me I'm like what he's like this is I mean shoot I was I was doing the same thing when I was your age right you know just really like disheartened 
with it. But it's Nisha, like I just getting fired up because that's what it is. The energy of trying to blank. Mm -hmm. Like that's exhausting as hell. And like I'm tired. And it's like we gotta constantly try and we gotta constantly show up because if we give up, we're only hurting the people after us. So we can't give up. So it's like we constantly have to keep going. It's like we constantly are searching for, okay, how can I make this better for my kids and their kids? And it's It's, just tired. And I can can feel it in my body. I can feel it in my joints. Like I don't think people understand and and you don't get that why sometimes black people don't just feel like talking like some days mm-hmm. I can't even pick up the phone sometimes right. I don't even want to look at my phone and look at a text message mm-hmm. and I ain't do nothing all day but, but I'm just, just tired tired, tired. and it don't have nothing to do with you know just life and being overworked because I don't think that I'm being overworked I think it's just the pressures of just being black and life and everything constantly feeling like you like Sable said blank feeling like you have to live up to blank and I'm I don't want to have to do that it's crazy because how like if you take a woman in our family or a family member of each generation I guarantee they're going to say the same thing but to us it's it's almost as if why is it to that level when we're in 2022 why am I feeling the same way it might not my great-grandmother might have seen someone hanging from a tree but her feelings she was like well my great-grandmother was a slave so we're better off we just have to and it's but it's the same thing like we're, we're doing better but are we them right but are we the emotions are still there and everything that y'all were saying i was just over here shaking my head going crazy <laughs> y'all can't see us but we're all over my here legs are switching. I'm, I'm here <laughs> with you yep. it's just why they tried so hard. They as in the system and I was like they as in white people during slavery, during all that, all that stuff, tried so hard for us not to be educated as black people. And that's why it's so important for us ourselves mm-hmm. to know our history. Cause there is power yes. in that because you have understanding because you make sense of why do I feel this way? Oh, because of A, B, C, D through Z. You know what I mean? And I used to think education, I'm like, yeah, it's important. But it's not like that important. And now that I'm older, if you don't, we're not going to be taught our history, clearly. All this stuff I learned about Black history, even growing up, I learned from my mom. I learned from books. I learned from going to museums. I learned from my parents having me watch stuff on my Mm -hmm. history. And it's it's just so sad that people want to erase the experience. Like the bluest eye or reading certain books in school, you it's art you should be able to hear perspective outside of your own and you're erasing it and what's worse is there could be black kids growing up and their parents don't know it and then the, wow it's erasing it wow but wow. the thing is you can't even erase it because you don't exist without us like honestly like but if yes. you go back to the history and you ask the questions of like how things were the way that why was why was abraham lincoln going as hard as he was because he was trying to free the slave. Like, you can't erase that. You can't just say 
he made the emancipation people proclamation. Do. That's what they because but he, then, he, he and but that was but he didn't even like, care about slavery. He didn't know he did it. No, 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 no. But no, he did it to win the war. It was we're just just interwoven in every story. And I'll say this, and I'll just say this, like as we're like talking about it, it's not necessarily a a bash on just any culture or anything. Right. It's about lived experience and you can't take away somebody's lived experience i hope people who are listening understand that we are black women who have a lived experience of trauma and if you can't see that through our interactions or how how we show up it's because we're doing a good job of having to fake it or having to show up and compartmentalize how we feel that's and I word. think Black History Month allows us to kind of have that freedom, that vulnerability, that pride of not during Black History Month, you're not going to make me feel like this. Oh, I've seen it. Yo, like, have you seen not, that? Not today. Tweets? Yes, not during Black History Month. No. no. So uh, we're just trying to show y'all how, yes, we can laugh. Yes, we can joke, but we're still Black people. And these are things that we still... Mm-hmm. deal with on a day-to-day and even though we show up very put together does not mean that it, the, the load is not heavy to carry mm-hmm. and we carry that burden especially as black women because I feel every generation of black women has had to carry the burden of taking care of their family through all of this and living this experience and com- I can't say the word, but and having to hide it when they go to work. Or do, yeah, that. Gotcha. <laughs> it's just it's such a heavy burden for us as women, as black women in particular. And I don't want to experience that burden and pass it on to my kid. Like I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Just on that note, and Nisha, thanks for bringing it. I f- I feel like Black History Month is just a time to just be unconditionally and just like just free to celebrate us and our greatness and crystal to your point all of the things that we've done to contribute to this society you know um and to contribute in ways where even for me I probably don't even know half of the things that black people have invented or Black people inventing things and they didn't have the privilege to go get a patent for it. And right. then all of a sudden it's somebody it's someone else's. else's, right? Like all that stuff. I just think it's a just a time to acknowledge just the efforts and the weight and but also the amazing things that we do as people. Um, but I want to transition to talking about progress and how we progress. Um, one of the topics that came about the community community discussion after the documentary was the topic of violent versus nonviolent protests. And so this gentleman behind me, he was a chaplain for a prison. And so he stood up and he's saying like, hey, I understand, you know, emotions are high, but how can we get to progress without being, you know, violent or like, how can we get to protest without stores have, you know, being glass shattered and people getting hurt and police throwing tear gas and stuff like that. And I appreciated his question and the motive in his heart, but I struggle internally. I don't like violence and I don't want things to be violent, but I have not witnessed in history 
protests or marches that were peaceful be impactful and lasting and progress. And I say that because I think about the Martin Luther King and Selma and even the way that Dr. King and the leaders were strategizing, they were strategizing with the assumption that it was going to get violent because of how police was going to approach them, right? And so I think we're seeing this now, but I don't know. I just, I'm always, I don't condone violence. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. It's scary to me, but also I'm like, okay, well, if this march was peaceful, would would we be talking about it? Like, or if sometimes the police starts it, like, you know what I mean? So it just right. was a question. I was like, oh, this would be really good to talk with y'all about because it just really enticed a really good conversation, I think, amongst the community. So what do y'all what do y'all think? Do y'all have the same? So I have she push I push back on that okay. only because so I was doing research on this. Y'all know how I do Bring it. research. Come on, Kayla. Come through with the facts. So I read I read this book. It was a memoir for um, John Lewis. I can't remember the title now that I'm talking about it, but it's it's a really good book. And he talks about this idea of nonviolence. And mm-hmm. like you said, Sable, there's a method behind the idea of nonviolence. They got it from Gandhi, mm-hmm. um, civil rights leaders. Is it Walking with the Wind? Yes, it's really good. It's long, mm-hmm. but it's a great book. Because I thought the same thing. I'm like, Nonviolence isn't doing anything but getting you beat up and our problems still <laughs> persisting um but there is a method behind it and when talking about in the book he talks about the selma to montgomery marches which were held in 1965 along a 54 mile highway from selma alabama to the state capital of alabama montgomery so they wanted these marches to be nonviolent, but mm-hmm. on one of the fir- one of the first days, they were met by the police and by the it wasn't the army, but the police in Alabama, and that's mm-hmm. what we know as Bloody Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. So they knew that there would be violence, like Sable said, and they knew that cameras would be there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like almost sacrificing, like literally, yep. you're sacrificing your body, yep. yeah, choosing nonviolent. But everyone saw it on TV, and so that prompted the president yep. to make sure that the National Guard was there to make sure that they were able to march to Montgomery. So two nights later, on March 15th, 1965, Johnson, President Johnson, presented a bill to a joint session of Congress. The bill was passed that summer and signed by Johnson as a Voting Rights Act of 1965. So I it just it had me think like it doesn't seem like things happen after a peaceful protest, but I think Martin Luther King Jr. and a lot of other people, not just him, were very specific on how they went about their protests and how they use political action to make things come into law. I don't think the Voting Rights Act of 1965 would have been passed if it was a violent reaction to the police you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah, like they put themselves point. out there to be almost mm-hmm. sacrificed in a mm-hmm. sense like people died from that right. selma mm-hmm. from the bridge on the Edmonds, yeah. edmund pettis bridge so that they would see 
that black people were just trying to march 54 miles they didn't do anything and now the president feels like everybody's seen this on tv now i gotta sign this into law you know what Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. and i just i look at that in comparison to um the black panther party and how it was violence which how can you not be violent when someone's violent to you Mm -hmm. what laws i don't know about any laws that came from a reaction made with violence you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like there's go ahead just to bring it like into 2022 right um the the there's a case open right now or something that's going on with the no knock warrant um because that was a point of contingency back when um, Breonna Taylor, and then there was recently someone that just um, got shot by a police this month or last month. I can't remember the name, but um, now that's a that's a point of contingency because people have been protesting. I remember for a long period of time, like that summer of 2020, to. I want to say maybe a year later, it was like protests everywhere. Every, every time day. you turn, every, every mm-hmm. time you turn yes. on the news, every time I look up um, and there was even, you know, small protests in the city that I was in and college station, you would think they're not protesting, but the, the young students were very adamant about just the non the nonviolent way of just getting that media attention and I think as of recent, a lot of the protests have started off as nonviolent. Very the, usually the police yes. the police yes. uh provoke it. Mm-hmm. Why are you tear gassing? Why are you coming mm-hmm. out with military and using illegal tear, tear gas at that is what they're illegal starting tear to find gas too. and um military um yeah. trucks and things like that. Of Why are you driving through be crowds? Scared, <laughs> driving through what yeah. you think people are just gonna welcome you coming no. in here like we somebody that's actually of harm like we going to war for the people in our city when half of the time and I want to say more than half the time 90% of the time they start off as nonviolent. they start right. in the daytime and they're just mm-hmm. trying to prove a point then you put these restrictions or these curfews and because it's still nonviolent after the curfew you're pushing these people to right. get aggressive when yes they're just out after the curfew you can just say it's time to go home whatever whatever but no you're like pushing them so then that's when it gets gets violent that's when people start breaking into stores that's when people are starting to um kind of tear down it's it's insane how much people are provoked and i think a lot of people don't give enough they don't see the level of importance and how much Martin Luther King himself went through to be able to be nonviolent for that long when they're putting dogs and water hoses on you. You think people in Atlanta, people fought back so hard when the police were pushing them in Atlanta, tearing everything up. Exactly. I was going to say in 2022, nobody finna let you just sit up here. and. That's what I'm saying. But they kept this idea and I, I don't think people realize how much went into this idea of nonviolence mm-hmm. and why it was successful in its own right. And I found this thing about um, Martin Luther King Jr. that his autopsy found that 
while he was just 39 years old, he had the heart of a 60 year old. Doctors conclude the pressure he had experienced in his career has stressed and aged his heart by 20 years, like 21 years. I just, and it's, it's just insane that they were able to keep this idea of nonviolence going when I don't think I would be able to, you hit me, I want to hit you back. Like it's, it's just so insane, but I do think it's been very beneficial. And the Bible even says like violence against violence, never, it never Mm -hmm. wins. Yeah. And I think, I think Kayla, I'm, I have goosebumps because that not to go too much down a rabbit hole, but then I think about the, the black community in general and how we have heart issues and all kinds of things and stress and high blood pressure. Stress does that to you. Yes. And stress and cancer and all these things. But I think before when I was um, mentioning, you know, just transitioning into this conversation about protests, like what constitutes as violent versus nonviolent, because I'm, I'm, what I'm hearing is the hour as in the people who are protesting intent is for it to be peaceful. Right. But there is violent presence from the opposition so now it is defined as a violent protest where the intent is not that so for me that's where that I think that's where I'm kind of I'm still in this confused space of how I'm it's inspiring to know that John Lewis Martin Luther King and everyone how did they get everybody on the same page and keep everyone on the same page because that's where I'm confused now of Okay, I want to go march down the street and I want to walk down the street. I'm peaceful. I'm out here just, just, this is for me and what I want to do. But now violence is coming back at me. So I'm just, I think think for me, like when you said that, Sable, just think about the time that they were in. They had nothing to lose. They had already robbed them of so much. Mm -hmm. And at this point, we have to be in like we have to be in solidarity to yeah. to but they, bring about change for the kids because at that point it's like y'all have I've already been to jail I've already seen people die in front of me I've already I don't have the right to to technically vote the way I need to mm. and you're keep putting these barriers it's like you you really have nothing to lose and I think when people get to that point of desperation I think they were desperate for change when you're they, desperate enough you do whatever it takes for all of us to be on the same page but they also talk a lot about in the book that they weren't in solidarity and that was a huge Mm -hmm. thing like people a lot of black people stopped liking Martin Luther King Jr. because they felt that he was too into the politics side they thought he was Mm -hmm. Uncle Tom all this stuff Mm -hmm. so it is amazing that they still were able to gain as much support as they did because a lot of black people at that point started going to like the black Panthers. And I said something about them earlier about being violent. And I don't think the black Panthers are violent. I had to correct myself because (laughs) they only believed in bringing violence back upon you. Once you bring Mm -hmm. violence upon me, they weren't by nature trying to seek out right. violence but they had guns and stuff and we're like y'all come out to protect, to yeah. protect the communities come back. because of how much they they do in the community exactly they exactly. did a lot of great stuff but it is it's so hard for black people to be in solidarity i think sometimes because we mm-hmm. all have so many different experiences like you were saying crystal earlier we all have different backgrounds and it, it's crazy just to read john lewis's book and know that they weren't in solidarity as much but more than we are now 
right <laughs> one thing when you asked that question sable the like the first thing that came to mind was are you martin luther king or are you malcolm x malcolm both of them had a clear vision of what they wanted to do obviously one was more radical than the other but they mm -hmm. both accomplished something to progress yeah. black people forward and so in my head i think i think I don't even I don't even know how to put my words together, but like we're trying to be nice. <laughs> like we're just trying to be nice. And like Malcolm X shows you the side of like the black community that you don't want to see. Like we can get violent and we can protest and we can do all these things. But like, do we have to? And they both had a following too. So like there were people who were in solidarity with them, with Malcolm X. There are people who are following behind Martin Luther King. I guess it's just really who speaks to like your to your soul and who like it's just speaks the to delivery. your cause. Yeah, they had the same. They had the same mission. They, the they same. wanted the same thing. They really they wanted, wanted the same to thing. Progress black people in the the constraints and the confinements that we were born into. That was not on our own doing. Mm -hmm. And I don't. I I personally don't think one way was right or wrong. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because right. I think that they, the goal was for them to advocate for black people and for black mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. How they went about it, it was different. And like you said, Crystal. Some people want to knuck if you buck, and some people, you know, no, we need just, both. We need we need both, right, we Kayla? Both. We need both. We need to balance. Fight, right? Some people not about that life. Some people are. Try some Jesus, not me. And it it's just so crazy. I don't know where I heard this, but every black leader that has tried to do something, they've been put against each other, like MLK yeah. and Malcolm X, and they've been murdered. Like mm -hmm. what black leader hasn't been murdered or exiled or whatever the word is sent like yep. Shakur, what's her name? Asada Shakur, also a great book. Mm -hmm. She's in that. Cuba right now. Right. It has been for a long time. Like wow. I think all in all it is to, to sum this up, it is fighting the good fight. And how can we fight the good fight with each other in solidarity um, and celebration and celebration of us, but also mm. having spaces like this to talk about it, because I will admit, um, and I think Crystal, you can relate to this a little bit because you were there. Um, I was at a work event uh, when the Rittenhouse um, uh, news Lord. broke and there was an opportunity to have a space to talk about it and I didn't want to. Mm. and I'm numb whereas like, like I just lately in the past year and a half I just been really really numb and haven't wanted to dive into this and what we're talking about today but I just appreciate the space today to talk about it during Black History Month um, but I, I also want to make sure that we continue to celebrate one another and we do such a good job of giving each other flowers as Black women um, and last season um we gave, we have in a whole episode catered to giving um, her, right, flowers, um, I think we called it. So mm -hmm. I just want us to continue that, not to be repetitive of a whole episode, but I want us to continue that for Black History Month. Um, we are challenging you all uh, to give someone their flowers that deserve it. We don't need to wait for something bad to happen or someone just leaving us on this earth to just really telling someone that you celebrate them and that they're important and significant to black history um which is what we're making as well so girl we was getting fired up this episode this was good this was good 
<laughs> I hope y'all are listening all the way through. This is good. Yeah, I had to go get some water. Y'all didn't see me get up, but I had to get some water. And like you said, we talk about this all the time as a tribe. It's good to now have people hear our thoughts and mm-hmm. how we feel. So talk about with us, tribe, when you hear this, when we post this on social media. It's the engagement piece. Do y'all homework. Talk with us. Tell us something that we said wrong. What do we say right? I know, right? Yes, educate us. Yeah, no, for yeah. read them books and tell us if we said it yes. wrong. I know I probably said a couple things wrong, but it's fine. Two. Just educate me. They go by, I don't know what she's talking about. Or you, <laughs> know, you don't know what you like, don't know. Your lived experience. Like, oh, I can relate to that. I, I feel it. Like, I feel the tension in my back. Like Ooh, I need to massage in the back at this point. Ooh, tension. Ooh. The tension in the back. Thank you. Thank you. Let us know what you think. Remember to support Black businesses. Buy Black. Be Black. Sport Black. Wear Black. black, be black, 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 black. Listen to Black. Be black. All that. Okay. <laughs> black is Black, y'all. I'm black, black, y'all. Black, black, black. I want all. Black, black. All that Black. So. <laughs> I don't know about Kodak Black, but Black Black. Girl. <laughs> I'm a Girl. suburban. Girl.